0: Entrepreneur Circle is an on-air brands production and a proud member of the On-Air Brands Network.
1: Hi, this is Robert Kiyosaki, and you're listening to Entrepreneur Circle with Eric Cabral.
2: On this episode, don't make it about how you sell the product. Make it about the products. What do you need to do to help them get there? Take yourself out of the equation. And by doing that, you're actually relieving pressure off of yourself. You're releasing yourself from kind of the, the 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 hierarchy and how how high you're placing yourself right now. And it makes it less stressful for you when you're working in the vibration of tuning into somebody else and not tuning into your own thing. Things are just going to naturally start to respond in a way that they're supposed to.
1: Hey there, folks, and welcome back to another episode of the Entrepreneur's Circle. My goal is to inspire you by chatting with entrepreneurs about their successes, their failures in life and in business. I am your most humbled host, Eric Cabral, a real estate investor a creative, and I've been in the creative industry for over 20 years, got my start in New York City as a junior art director, made my way to the top of the corporate ladder and realized there was the proverbial glass ceiling. So I hung up my corporate hat and started my own creative agency called On Air Brands, where we broadcast your brand and your message using podcasts, and social media marketing, along with the help of my other company, PodMax, which hosts live and virtual events for top performing entrepreneurs to get them on podcasts and to learn from our keynote speakers and our massive network. So to learn more about that event, hit up PodMax.co and sign up for the next event. They're happening each and every month. So as always, please like, subscribe, and share this podcast with two to three of your friends to continue growing our community and to help others grow from the knowledge shared here and learned here on this podcast. And before we jump into the show, I'd like to share some of what our sponsors, partners, and good friends have to offer you.
0: Hey guys, Todd Genitasio here from Tresnick Media and the On Air Brand Show. I am guest hosting for Eric Cabral during our PodMax event here. And as always, our goal with this show is to bring you our experiences. That means both wins and losses to share our collective insights, to build businesses and relationships. We want to inspire and give you the tools that you need on your journey to freedom, legacy, and spiritual growth. And our guest today, I'm very honored and grateful to have Fergie, Fergie Philippe, actor, director and puppeteer, one of the stars of Broadway's Hamilton and host of his own podcast, It's Time to Meet the Muppets. I bet you guys didn't see that coming. So with that said, Fergie, welcome to the show, man. Uh, I'm super excited. You have so many cool things going on that I can't wait to learn about and uh, and dive in with you.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, even as you were saying it, I was like, "Wow, I really I do all that stuff." <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I find that it, it becomes. Uh, we reach this point in our careers where where that happens so much, where you get introduced and you're like, "Whoa, that's me! I've done those things. Mm. Like, that's cool." And, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and at the at the Podmax event here that we're at over lunch, we had Perry Marshall, and he was talking about yeah. the whole imposter syndrome thing. And and I mm-hmm. mean, this guy's one of the smartest business minds in the world, right? And he's saying how he's has that it, he was at something last week where he felt like, I can't. Am I really here? I can't believe this. Like, yeah, and that's yeah. something that as entrepreneurs and performers and like it in whatever world we're in, we hit that imposter syndrome a lot. And uh, and it's always interesting to see it, just it never goes away for anyone, like at all right. stages, it's always there, yeah. And, um, you know, you obviously have great heights of success and, uh, and I listened, did a little research or listened to you as a guest on some other shows in preparation oh, for this. And so, you know, you, uh, obviously did not just come up and, uh, were recruited to be on Hamilton out of the blue, right? Like you actually had a little track there. So can you give us a little yeah. bit about your journey to how you landed this gig on Broadway?
2: Yeah. Um, so grew up in Miami, Florida. Um, I, you know, kind of, kind of swinging it back to the Muppets. You know, I, I grew up on the works of Jim Henson, Sesame street, the Muppets, Fraggle rock. That was all kind of Fraggle rock, man. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's, (laughs) that's my blood right there. Like that's how I grew up. That's like kind of how I, my entire life philosophy is all on those shows. Um, and I kind of got into performing that way. And, um, Over the years, I kind of strayed away from puppetry and got more into theater and acting and things like that. And so I kind of stayed on that path. I went to a performing arts high school um, and studied just acting. Uh, And then I went to Elon University in North Carolina uh, and studied musical theater. Um, And then while I was there, I met my agent and my agent and I, you know, that was around when Hamilton came out. And so, you know, we started having conversations about, you know, maybe I can get auditions there. And and fortunately, during the tail end of my senior year, I was going in for callbacks, you know, every month or so um, as I was like trying to finish up my courses. Um, (laughs) And and um, the August after I graduated, I booked the national tour. So I headed out on the road with Hamilton for about a year and a half Um, and then I was about to leave the tour so I could go back to New York. And then they asked me to join the Broadway company, um, which, which was absolutely insane. And so, um, I left the tour and then in January I joined the Broadway company. Um, and I was with them up until the shutdown and, and I'll be back when, when the, when the ban is released and everybody's able to go back on Broadway. And so, Yeah. yeah, so I've roughly been with them for about three years now. Um, and it's, it's, it's really not roughly, it's been three years and, and it's, it's really, it's crazy. It's still crazy to think about, uh, you know, Hamilton's the biggest blessing of my life. And and the fact that I've been able to do it has really, you know, changed a lot of things for me. And so, um, you know, it's, yeah. it's crazy because this whole pandemic has just been reflection and introspection. And, and the more I think about it, the more blown away I am that I got to have that experience. Um, but yeah, I, I, I trained for many years, uh, you know, arguably since I was 10 years old, um, in, in multiple techniques and, and forms that include, you know, Shakespeare and, uh, regular speech and singing and dance classes all those years and, you know, all kinds of stuff. And so, yeah, it was, I mean, it, it was, it's a long journey when you think about it, but to be honest, like I'm, I'm still one of the lucky ones. Like, even though I, all that year, those years of trainings, you know, get, get booking the number one show on earth right after you graduate from college <laughs> is not normal. Like that's not how it works when you go to college. I, yeah. The universe was on my side and I have yeah, to emphasize amazing. that because yes, I did work my butt off and um, I made sure that when opportunity met me, I was ready for it. But that's at the it. same time, you know, I I was only able to meet opportunity because opportunity showed up. I can't control opportunity. Yeah. Um, I was only able to control my preparation. And so uh, while I'm, while I'm very uh, uh, astute about, my own work ethic, I have to give credit to the fact that like, I didn't control any of that. That was just the universe deciding to go in my favor. And I'm, I I try to be thankful for that every single day.
0: Absolutely. But isn't it also that once we end up putting all of our energy into something, we, we create the vibration that then magnetizes
2: these opportunities. Well, you start communicating, you start communicating to the universe, you start communicating to the outer forces, like, Hey, you know, I'm working, I'm doing all of this work. Um, It's almost like, you know, it's it's, it's the same thing as networking where Mm. when you start, you know, putting yourself to work, you start making these connections. Hey, you know, I'm not there yet, but I just want you to know that I'm doing this thing. So if you want to stay in contact with me, like hopefully later down the line, you'll meet up with me. And I feel like when I was 10 years old, I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna start doing this theater thing." Uh, you know, in high school, I was like, "Hey, I'm still doing this theater thing." And then in yep. college, it was like, "Hey, I know it's been like you know a few years, but hey, I'm 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 still here doing this theater thing." And 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 that to me is what all that hard work is. All the hard work is just constant reminders of, "Hey, you know, I'm 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 really putting this in." Um, yeah, and hopefully hopefully the universe responds and that's all you can hope for.
0: I love that. And, and so right before we got on, we just heard from Amanda Holmes was gave her little keynote fireside and, and look, uh, she's her dad, Chet Holmes wrote the ultimate sales machine, which is like, I recommend it almost every day to someone. It's one of the only books that I have audio and physical and I read constantly. Um, And yet, so she's the the head CEO of this major corporation, very successful. Who knows how many hundreds of millions of dollars in sales? Blah blah blah. Right. But what was she talking about? Was the vibes and frequency that we exactly. all operate on? And mm-hmm. she's doing literally Sanskrit affirmations in the Dude. in the
2: keynote, right? Like. I was just like, wow, she, I mean, and what's been crazy about this whole Pod Max event is that, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm the only person here that's like the the performer. Everybody else yeah. is really in business and marketing and mm-hmm. entrepreneurship and all these different things. And so, you know, th- going back to what Perry Marshall said about uh, imposter syndrome, I'm like, why am I here? I'm like, <laughs> what do y'all, y'all can learn nothing from me. But, but, you know, she comes on here and she goes, yeah, if I ever have a break between meetings, I'll pull out my guitar and I'll sing this song to myself. And I'm like, <laughs> you own millions of dollars, what do you mean? Like, yeah. it's, it's just, it's it's crazy, but you know, it just goes to show that how much creativity and business go hand in hand and how much, you know, we have to invest in that part of ourselves. And we have to invest in every part of ourselves to get the results that we want. And And yeah, it's exactly like you said, the vibrations that we operate on respond and other yeah. people respond. And, and that's how the world shifts. It's why the earth moves, you know what I mean? And, and to, to, to purposefully not lean into that is only a damage to yourself. Like the, the, the best thing you can do is just truly, you know, lean in as much as you can. Yeah. And she said something. So I
0: I do spend a lot of time thinking about this, you know, in in courses, programs, communities, coaching around this whole idea of getting to that higher level of being on a new vibration and frequency. And that's how, you know, the universe operates on these different frequencies. But something I've never heard someone say, which she said, and I forget exactly the wording she used, but it was that we are all made of sound right? Like we are all the vibrations of these tiny molecules and those vibrations are a frequency, which is basically sound waves. And so that was when she was saying how she sings to, to kind of like clear out negative energy, because when you put out these positive sounds, it literally is changing your vibration and -hmm. putting you on a different frequency. And, and to tie that back into where you're at, like the the hard work that you put out, I look at as, you know, from 10 years old. So when you got on the show, you were creating this vibration that's attracting these things and then to get on the same frequency as the sh- as actual Hamilton from w- when i heard you talking about this in another episode was how uh, when the show came out you just geeked on it hard all the
2: time like really And like went off on it. Yeah. So
0: Like you had all this energy and you did all that hard work to become the expert in your field and the master of your craft and then locked into that frequency of the, of Hamilton and those two things colliding. And then you say it, it, you know, the coincidence of this opportunity that you had nothing to do with quote unquote, but in really, Mm. if we look like you did attract all that by the vibrations you were putting out, I think that kind of stuff
2: is wild. Yeah, that's a really interesting point that you make. And something that also comes to mind is that, you know, especially when a moment of kismet like that kind of happens, you know, especially for me with something like Hamilton, the the other thing to keep in mind, and and maybe this is not agreed upon fully, but this is something that I worked on that I believe helped me in terms of Hamilton, is that like all the, 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 the separate vibrations of what Hamilton puts out in its own existence and the vibrations I was putting out myself my admiration of their vibrations doesn't necessarily mean I'm on their vibrations. And so to, to to understand how I can link up with that sometimes mean means an adjustment of the self. And I think that for me, I'm somebody that can get very excitable very easily. And so it's it's easy for me to be like, but I know I'm perfect for this, but because my vibrations are just that much off because I'm so excited about it, mm. it it doesn't transfer well. And so so much of what I understood about Hamilton kind of immediately was. I may love this. It doesn't necessarily mean that I am on the same wavelength as them. I have to adjust so that I make sure that my wavelengths match with the wavelengths that they are trying to achieve. And I think that that is a level of humility that a lot of people really need to be willing to have. And it it sometimes means changing instincts or not changing instincts, but following instincts and realizing "Mm, that might not be the right one and having to kind of Really do some introspective work and really say, okay, what are the kind of things that I might need to change if I really do want to align myself with that? Yeah, absolutely, and not to mention the hard work. So, up after we get off this episode, the next thing we're doing is
0: David Meltzer will be in and working talking about pitching and messaging and stuff. And something he talks about, right. if you're not familiar, is the law of is the law of Goya, get okay. off your ass.
2: <laughs> and yes. So
0: yes. How, how many people around the country at the same time did? were they were in theater in high school and they went to college for it and they heard that there were casting calls in New York but you know what it's senior year and I'm in North Carolina like I can't drive back and forth to New York all the right. time for that so you know <laughs> yeah, I, you know man. and and so not only did like you really at the time probably didn't see all these puzzle pieces coming together, but like sure. all that hard work in mastering the craft, putting yourself on that wavelength and then the, and then goya up to right. New York back and forth and really taking advantage of that opportunity and going after it. And then also not to mention, like uh, there's probably some people that look at like the Broadway show is what I'm going after, but then there's this national tour that they don't pay attention
2: to because they're too site here and they miss, they miss the stepping stones. And that's part of the click. And, you know, it's so funny you say that because when all of that was happening, I, so the way that, you know, um, you'll franchise a production, something like a Hamilton or a Wicked or a Lion King is that, you know, they'll have a great Broadway production and then they'll have a national tour. They'll probably open in London. But when you see a a mega monster like Hamilton, you recognize very quickly, it's not just going to be a national tour in Broadway. It's going to be many productions. So as soon as they announced, the fact that they announced their first outer production wasn't a tour, that it was actually Chicago, is when it started to click in me. They're going to be everywhere. So you don't need to, don't aim for Broadway. That makes no sense. It, it, and it didn't make sense to me at the time because it was like, that. you have so many other avenues that you can probably try to have access to. If you key into the frequency of possibly going into a tour, which was exactly what I I kind of, keyed into i was like let's aim for a tour aim for a tour that'll take you all over the country so that you can travel so for some reason while i was doing the hard work my intention was i'm doing this so that i'm working towards being on a tour of hamilton you know what i mean and 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 that's not for everybody but in terms of like you know maybe for you it is like reaching for broadway but for me keying into the tour I feel like was keying into a frequency nobody else was keying into, you know what I mean? Yep. And, and, and when you talk about Goya, like, dude, I, the number of times that I was in college, I didn't have any money. So like, you know, to go from North Carolina to, to, to New York, the f- I went to New York probably four times in the spring. And the first time I took a plane, the next three, I had to take a bus because I couldn't afford it. And, yeah. and the way the Greyhound bus works is that you take a late night bus so that if I could be there in the morning, I had to take a late night bus the night before, transfer at 3 a.m. in Virginia because they were closed, wait until 6, get on that bus and then get in at 8 a.m. so that I can have a 9 a.m. audition. Stay there the whole day and then get on a late bus that night so I can make it back to class on Monday morning. And and, and I did that another three times. And. At the time I was it was miserable. Like I I also was I had like horrible anxiety at that time and I wasn't really in I wasn't in therapy, so I wasn't dealing with it. And so emotionally, I was really all over the place. But if there's anything I'll always give myself credit for, it was the drive that I had then and the way that I pushed myself and the way that I was kinda like, you know, you you have to do this, man. You have to take the next step and that's not to say like abuse yourself but <laughs> but at the same time it's like you know i knew that it was like i'm uncomfortable now but it's to make for a tomorrow that will change my life and yeah unfortunately it did
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's like, this is, these are the stories that don't show up in the two line bio in the playbill that says (laughs) that you went to Elon university and now you're on stage at Hamilton. It's like, oh, well he also had to not sleep and take a bus and transfer at three in the morning and and sleep on the bus bench from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Exactly. He he didn't know if he was going to graduate or make the play. And so now he's exactly, no one says that in the playbill. And and that's the Mm -hmm. difference between people who've become successful tying all these things together versus the people who don't, right? And I think as we're, you know, we're on the Entrepreneur Circle show talking about business. It's the same exact thing. Like the blueprint that you have here, it's the same thing in business is mastering your craft, putting in the hard work, being ready when opportunity comes and also keying in on the frequency of where you want to be so that you can attract those opportunities and be ready to knock them out of the park when you get them
2: so my girlfriend actually is somebody that's uh, she's an actress but she's right now shifting a bit and going into business school and she's she's uh right now waiting to hear back from mba programs and whenever we talk about it she she kind of goes back and forth between like oh i'm leaving the business but also i'm not leaving the business i'm actually taking everything that i've gotten from the business and i'm shifting it in this new direction and we talk about it all the time how it's the exact same blueprint and we're just applying it in a different direction as a matter of fact when she was doing all of her applications it was so simple for her because so much of what she was describing to people the schools were coming back being like you are so articulate and you're so sure of what you're doing but everything she was doing is like is like kind of just like oh well duh for actors because it's what we have to do in order you know we we just understand how to time management and schedule our time because when you're a musical theater major You're scheduling between rehearsal and your liberal arts classes and your voice lessons and your dance lessons and your acting class. And so all of that compartmentalization just comes to us so naturally. And so having to to just adopt Not to mention the part-time job
0: that most of the people probably have in there. (laughs) Exactly. And it's
2: true, most of us did have part-time jobs, but like we were also in shows. And then remove all of that, we were also doing our own stuff on the side. Like most of us were musicians, most of us were writers. Most of us were doing summer jobs being at other theaters and stuff that like, you know, random stuff. Like the number of times I would leave school because the theater that I worked with was like, hey, can you come do a gala for us and sing a song and something? So I'd fly out to that place. And so there's so much compartmentalization happening that applying it in a business sense almost for us is kind of like, oh, what? that's- This is nothing. (laughs) It's almost a little bit easier because like it's a little bit more tangible than something in theater that's a little bit more based upon frequency and vibrations and things like that. So yeah, it's a really interesting point that how you connect those. Yeah, and not to mention in today's world, like, we're all creating content.
0: Like you said, like we're at PodMax with, uh, you know, 50, 60, 70 people or so. And most right. of them all business people. And we're all performing right now on these shows. Yeah, like we're exactly. all on podcasts, except for none of us have, none of us are trained in performance, right? And uh-huh. so there's also like, there's that part of it where, you know, in today's world, if you if you are an entrepreneur, you should be getting yourself out, creating content, whether that's as a right. guest on shows, if you have mm-hmm. your own show. But then also like, if you have clients or you're working with customers, you, you have to put on to face and, and perform and mm-hmm. take your business information. And like you said, perfectly there, like your, your girlfriend is so well articulated because she knows how to communicate well. And I right. think that those are skills. I often, I often think that entrepreneurs would be really well-suited to take some kind of
2: acting or performance classes for exactly that reason. Yeah, exactly. And 100%. I think at Elon, there was a acting for non-majors class that business majors were oh, often that's, encouraged that's cool. to go take. Yeah, and and it was, you know, it was all about how do you communicate ideas? How do you, you know, perfectly articulate concepts in a way that's gonna make you comfortable, especially for public speaking. But in a context of acting, so that it's a little bit more like, don't think of it as yourself, think of it as you putting on a persona so you can sell this product. You're mm-hmm. selling an idea. Yeah. Um, and 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 that idea is, you know, I think it's why a lot of people in theater end up going into business because it's it's a, it's just a part of you that you're able to access very easily and then you can put it in something a little bit more tangible. Yeah,
0: are you familiar with the concept of the alter ego?
2: Yes. So yes. it's a,
0: uh, a book from Todd Herman. He's the author. Okay. Um, yeah. I've heard of this. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I, uh, and I actually, he, ca- he just came out with a kid's book and I have a four year, I have a four and a half year old and the book is for two uh. to six year olds and it's, it up oh, wow. the for them. But the whole idea is basically, you know, when we want to level ourselves up, if we get trapped in that imposter syndrome or in not feeling enough or not sure what to do, like when we're growing up, it's very easy to be like, I'm playing basketball in the driveway and I'm oh Kobe, right? Like I'm pretending right. to be someone else. And then, But so how can we take that now as, as adults and professionals, like to have this Mm -hmm. idea of let's wipe away the nervousness and step into this alter ego as a different type of persona where it's still us, but it's, it's us amplified on a new level. And it Mm -hmm. gives like a temporary um, suspension of belief of suspension of limiting beliefs to step into a new sense of empowerment and take yourself to the next level when you're performing. And in this case, performing, meaning a sales meeting or a copywriting or business or whatever, whatever yeah. it is. Right. Um, so I'd, I'd love to hear some tips that you have, like when you are getting ready to perform and go on stage, like how do you switch? And not to mention, we didn't even mention that you actually play two roles in the show. right? So, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, you're, exactly. you're switching between two characters in the middle of, of a show. So what what kind of tips do you have for kind of stepping into a different type of persona?
2: Yeah, it's all about intention. Like, what, what what, are you going in intending to do? What are you trying to accomplish? That, at least for me and it, when it comes to acting. When I'm thinking about switching between Hercules Mulligan and James Madison, everything becomes about how am I servicing the story in the best way possible? What am I doing to help who the story is about and what the story is trying to tell? The story is about Alexander Hamilton. It's not about Hercules Mulligan or James Madison. So if I'm going into every scene making it about me, I've already failed at my job. What I need to do is, is as Hercules Mulligan, it's like, how am I helping service the story of Alexander Hamilton? Hercules Mulligan was a friend to Hamilton, who often gave him advice, gave him support, and gave him, you know, even a good time. And in cases of the war, he was an essential asset to helping them secure the American Revolution. When I'm thinking of it in that text of supporting him and I'm playing through the entire first act of, I'm here to support, I'm here to support, I'm here to support, everything I naturally end up doing will service that. It's kind of like the whole mantra thing that that Amanda Holmes was talking about. Like it, it's, when you start telling yourself something, you internalize it. That's just kind of how it works. Second act with James Madison, it's actually everything directly opposite of Mulligan. I'm <laughs> there to try to stop Hamilton. I'm there to try to like, you know, hurt him in a lot of ways. And so for that second act, everything I'm doing, I'm like, okay, you're here to halt Hamilton. You're here to stop him from getting what you want. You're here to help Jefferson. Like, and and by focusing just on that and removing technically myself from the equation, I'm making it better. So if we're talking about a product that we're trying to sell, don't make it about how you sell the product, make it about the product. And everything is like, how who is this product gonna help? Or Why does to the next person, level, to uh-huh. take it to the next level, how does the product help the customer? Exactly. That's exactly where I was going to go. How does the product help that person? And what do you need to do to help them get there? Take yourself out of the equation. And... By doing that, you're actually relieving pressure off of yourself. You're releasing yourself from kind of the the, the, the hierarchy and how, how high you're placing yourself right now. And it makes it less stressful for you. Um, so everything that involves like taking on a different persona is about how am I helping the other person? And that's the best advice I always give to people about acting or, you know, performing in general. If you're on stage with somebody else. You don't need to worry at all about what you're doing. All you need to worry about is what can I do to make my partner look good? Because the moment you do that, you're doing a great job and people, you know, you're taking yourself out of the equation is what's gonna make the performance better.
0: Yeah, you know, you you hit two things there, intention setting and supporting the main idea of what's going on in the show. And I think like back to this like alter ego concept and how can we level ourselves up on a daily basis? Imagine Mm -hmm. like every morning, when you're starting your day to sit down and think about like, what's my intention for the day? What's Mm -hmm. the, what's the main idea that I'm trying to achieve today, this week, this month in my life. Right. And am I taking action in the direction and of that support, supporting that main idea, because how many times do we just end up getting distracted with our inbox and notifications and this, uh, you know, people asking it of our time. Right. And we end right. up giving our time to other people that's not in support of our main thesis of life career, the current project we're working on. And I think doing those two things that you said is an amazing way, amazing way and and very easy
2: and simple to implement. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's it's concepts that we don't go to originally because we're so wrapped up in like, am I doing it right? Am I doing it well? Am I going to get the job done? And I think that us thinking about ourselves is what's getting in our own way. The moment that we take ourselves out of the equation is how we're able to move forward with it, because as long as we remember the original intention of what we're doing, which is nine times out of 10 to help other people. And yeah, you get benefit out of it. But the number one intention is that I'm trying to help this other person. And if you're focused on that, everything will start to fall into place. Again, it's the same idea with the frequencies and the vibrations. When, yeah. when you're working in the vibration of tuning into somebody else and not tuning into your own thing, things are just going to naturally start to respond in a way that they're supposed to. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's karma,
0: right? Like karma is very real. Exactly. So when we go out and we come from that heart centered place of service and putting value out to the world in one way or uh-huh. another, whether I'm putting it, I'm putting value out in, in, to my left, I might get value back on my right. Right. Like it's not, it doesn't yeah. have to be that one-to-one here. It's like just knowing that you're getting on this frequency, putting out value, it's going to come back to you multiple times, you know? Exactly.
3: on-air brands has changed the game. There'll never be a day from here forward when you and I and our companies don't need to be on the air. Every brand needs to be on the air, but so few know that. So it's great to work with a group that are ahead of the curve and to find a company that has been built on the core foundation of the future of marketing. If you're ready to broadcast your brand like they've done for my brands, take the next step and make a change that can transform your business reach out to on air brands today that's onairbrands.com yes onairbrands.com
0: let's talk about the podcast a little bit right so it's time to meet the Muppets. um how did this uh, you know how did how did this uh, come about and how'd you get started with the show and when it's relatively
2: new right yeah, it's a new podcast. Uh, hasn't been released yet. It's coming out soon. Oh, cool! Um, but, but I was going to um, say
0: because when I was looking you up, I didn't, I, I didn't find that. And when I heard like you I say can't that this, find it I, when you said that this morning, I was like, oh man, I did a bad job looking this guy no, up. No, like, no, no.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, it hasn't been released yet. We were going to try to release it along when 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 the Muppet Show released on Disney Plus. But but I wanted I wanted to give myself a, uh, some more time so that I can make some more stuff for sure. Um, so. Like I said, like uh, about a month ago, they announced that they're going to release The Muppet Show on Disney+. Plus and and for Muppet fans everywhere, quick history lesson. Uh, they released season one in 2006, season two in 2007, season three in 2008. In 2009, we were told that we were going to get season four of The Muppet Show that year. We've been waiting for 2009 ever since then. It never came. Season four and season five never came out on DVD. It's angered and upset Muppet <laughs> fans for years and years and years and years. Arguably because... Arguably because and this is probably where Muppet fans are going to come from my throat. In my opinion, seasons four and five are the best seasons of the show. It's when they really like lock into the style, and they lock into the guest, and they lock into their humor. The characters are 10 times more defined than they were in the first three seasons. It's right after the Muppet movie, so they're riding the success of that. It is the golden age of the Muppets those last two seasons. And some of the best guest stars are there, too. Kenny Rogers, Mark Hamill, uh, L- Liza Minnelli, you know, Carol Burnett. It, it's truly, like, incredible, like, two seasons of television. So they announced that The Muppet Show is going to be coming to Disney+. Plus. And I was like, man, I, I would just die to have, like, a recap show. Like, that would be so much fun. And then, like, a day later, I was like, ah, oh, damn it. I have to do it (laughs) and it it wasn't even a matter of like, no, I have to do it. No, it was like, my, my soul was like, dude, come on. This is like, it's been, this is like crawling with your name on it. Like you're just like, it's been waiting for you. Yeah. So I kind of sat down and thought about it and was like, I don't know. So I went to broad Broadway podcast network, which is a great network full of wonderful podcasts. And I was just like, look, I have a pitch for you. You probably won't like it. So, you know, here it is. And. Dory Bernstein, who runs Broadway Podcast Network, was like, so, you know, I used to work with Jim Henson um, and now we have to do this podcast. (laughs) She (laughs) greenlit it right there. And I was like, well, I'm stuck in this now. (laughs) Um, But no, but no. And and, you know, and ever since then, I've just been watching the show and analyzing it like I usually do in my spare time. Uh, I wish that was a joke. That's like literally all I do in my free time is just analyze the Muppets. but I, I just sit there and I analyze it. I make notes and I remember fun facts that I remembered from over the years. And, and I just talk about it on the show. I talk about my favorite moments. I talk about my least favorite moments. I talk about uh things, you know, we talk about things like the 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 advisory warnings that are now on it, you know, about, about how culturally represented things uh, or oh, things did, that yeah, were- I think I did hear about that. Mis, uh, mis how What's the term? Misrepresented. Things that were, uh, were... Cultu- culturally misrepresented right. um, and, and things that were offensive and things like Overton that. The Overton window. So, Is that what it's yeah, called? Uh uh-huh. yeah. yeah. So yeah. We, we talk about things like that. And, and I think it's interesting to talk about The Muppet Show. It came out in 76. You know right. what I mean? It was from 76 to 81 or 82-ish. And, you know, that time period was a very different time period. And so to watch The Muppet Show in the lens of 2021, after the pandemic, after George Floyd, after all of these different things and how we're discussing um the way different things are represented in media is why there's been such a, like such a backlash against it. Cause it's like the Muppets are pure, the Muppets are pure of heart and blah, blah, blah. But like, you know, it comes back to, it's the same thing with Disney. Yeah. Pure of heart and all that stuff. Like it's, it's under the guise of what, was known based on social consciousness. And as we're opening up, we're starting to realize things. There are a lot of things in that show that I thought were funny that I look back and go, yikes, <laughs> that, why? You can't laugh at that. Yeah. And th- and that's OK. You yeah. just got to, you know, and, yeah. and so, and you, things, know, and, you know.
0: And, and when you recognize, like, things change, right? Like, so I'm, I'm yeah. a huge, huge hip hop fan. I'm 36. Uh-huh. And so when I was 12, 13 years old, like, I was, mu- I was much more into like underground hip hop at the time, especially like the, the New York scene. But at the time, like DMX had just came out with his first album right. and like, dude, like look at me, like I'm a 12, 13 year old kid, like in the suburbs <laughs> listening to DMX. Right. And at the time, even all, all rap was similar to that. And now, like, if you listen to it,
2: you're like, Whoa, like you, you can't say
0: those things like I- <laughs> Right. Right. Exactly.
2: Exactly. Um, And so, yeah, exactly. Things change. And so, you know, all of that to say that you know we we cover really a, a, I'm going to cover a wide variety of topics on the show and it's mostly going to be about like what I thought was funny and and basically like character changes because you know what's one one of the interesting things about the show is that Jim Henson was not. Um, he was willing to kill his darlings. You know what I mean? If something wasn't working, he got rid of it. If something really was not working, he would reframe it, rebuild it. You know, a lot of puppets went through a lot of rebuilding over those years. Like the way Miss Piggy looks in season one versus season five vastly different. And yeah. so, you know, uh, we talk about like little intricacy and in detailed things like that. And that's, and I mean, I'm sure you can tell, but that's exactly where my brain is. Like it, it thrives is to talk about those little intricacies. Yeah. Yeah. That's super fascinating. So I'm, um, I'm curious, you have this
0: love of puppeteering mm-hmm. and, and you're starting this podcast, which is essentially talk shows. I have to ask, are you familiar with Elmo's not so late talk show? Oh my God.
2: Yes. It, it is, is amazing it is absolutely incredible and again another little you know fun history lesson for me it's like you know a few years ago hbo max uh, hbo in general had to make a deal with with the sesame workshop because Uh, They were losing funding specifically from PBS, and it was very expensive to keep up. You know, Sesame Street is a very expensive show. And what a lot of people don't realize is that the Sesame Workshop, uh, or what used to be known as the Children's Television Workshop, is actually a very small nonprofit company with a lot of notoriety. So they they were having a a struggling time really keeping up with the show. And so that's when they made the streaming deal with HBO. Um, And part of the help with that was that, you know, the the new uh, curriculum and the new research showed that kids were not responding to the comedy and kids were not responding to the parodies as much as they were responding to the actual education moments with the Muppets. Um, and that, in, that even included certain Muppets weren't being responded to other Muppets on the show. So they really pared it down to a few core Muppets um, and they've really taken out the parodies. They've taken out kind of some of that stuff. And the not so late show really gives them an opportunity to lean into that classic like Sesame Street Muppet comedy. And it's so funny, but it's it is, it's also just genuinely incredible. It is like it's really so well show. done. And
0: and for those of you guys listening, and you're like, "What the hell are these guys talking about?"
2: <laughs> <laughs> so
0: uh, Elmo has on HBO Max. A, it's a le, it's a legit late night talk show. Late like night it talk is, show. It is the Jimmy Fallon show, except for that it's Elmo is the host, and Cookie Monster yeah. is his, you know, quest love, and <laughs> and they got and they have the house band with Mama Bear, and there's a live yeah. studio audience of mixed of, of humans and monsters, and um, it's amazing. And and he and Elmo comes out, does a monologue. They have celebrity <laughs> guests, like legit. Like the first guest is Jimmy Fallon, but they have Olivia Wilde, Jason Sudeikis. You know, every episode is same as any late night primetime show. So legit celebrity right. guests, legit artists on there, like the Jonas Brothers and Jordan mm-hmm. Sparks. I think was on. Like they have very legit people. And what's cool about the musicians too is that they all sing like their favorite Sesame song yeah exactly <laughs> and so like you know i forget who it was did like rubber ducky right like in their uh-huh. in their style um yeah so all different cool stuff like that but but to be able to see you know as as entrepreneurs now for our listeners like to see the way that these structures can be reused and reimplemented, it's yes. like okay we never need to invent from scratch really right like there's success blueprints. We, we've said that word blueprint a bunch of times now, but it's it's true. Like, you know, let's look at what's what's successful and how can we put our spin into this and implement it for ourselves and kind of yeah. get that traction, right? Like, we don't need to come up with what what makes for a good late night show. Like, let's plug Elmo into that lead role and like let it take off and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. that's
2: exactly. You know, what are, what are the structures that already exist and how can we build upon it to not necessarily make it more successful, but to make it more successful for us? How can we take take advantage of that. And I mean, Sesame Street, they're one of the biggest kings of comedy in terms of parody. Like, in terms of all the parodies they've done over the years, they I mean, they're legendary. And, and for them to go, well, why don't we just make a parody show of a late night <laughs> show, but be as committed as possible? Like, they yeah, are so in. accurate. Yeah. They're all in it. Like, their entire foot is in it. And it's yeah. really incredible. And I think they are filming more episodes, thank God. Yeah. Um, But I th- I, I, I'm hoping to see them expand so that they start bringing sketches into it so that, yeah. like, all of those old... You know, classic sketches that we saw on Sesame Street, that, that becomes the platform where they can do all of that. They call those inserts. So that, that, that becomes the platform where they do all the inserts and the sketches and other parodies and stuff like that, because it really gives the characters a sense of freedom outside of the educational frame that they work in, which is how they were created. But, you know, again, going back to, um, the way Jim Henson worked, you know, when he was helping create Sesame Street, they operated not from a place of education, but from a place of okay, who are these characters? Who are these people? Like, how, 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 how do we have these people live in this world and how do they function? And that's where a lot of the comedy came from. That's how Ernie and Bert were created as a duo. That's where Oscar and Maria got all their, you know, ju- you know, everything with Grover and with Cookie Monster. Like, these are all comedic characters that were able to be shifted and shaped into the educational framework but you know now they're they're getting to exist as them full as their full selves and it's it's really exciting and it's really fun to watch um yeah i really love it i hope we get to see more of it yeah for sure and and you know you said something that got me thinking
0: like the way that these characters are developed with intention in how they fit into this world and to be successful. And it goes back to like trying to tie this into like the personal development of entrepreneurship. And like we said, like, you know, having the intention to support your goals and main intention of your life. Um, and like, there's this, um, concept of, of like being like driftwood where like you wake up and you just kind of float around and do go through the motions of things. Right. But when you can, sit down and take some time to self-reflect and become a little self-aware around mm-hmm. who's the character that you want to be? Right. What, what skills and abilities, how do they act? How, how do they be? What's the identity? When we can really claim our identity with intention, like right. we can really become much more powerful humans, whether in business or elsewhere. Um, and I think that's something that, you know, n- not too many people do. I think it is more... More likely in entrepreneurship, where we do have that self awareness, or we discover yes, self awareness. One hundred um, percent. I'm curious, like, what have you found? You know, because you do, you know, the the acting, directing, the the puppeteering, the podcasting. Like, you are very entrepreneurial.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm 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 chasing it all over, and <laughs> I think it just comes down to whatever I'm pursuing, am I investing my full self into it? And even if even if aside from that do I see myself in it or am I doing it simply for the recognition, the fame or the, no, no, you know, all of that stuff. And so, you know, that was something that took me a long time with the podcasting because, you know, for, I had an attempt at a podcast earlier this summer and it just wasn't jiving. And I was like, mm, I think it's because I'm trying to put something on, on this podcast mm-hmm. and and it's not actually authentically coming out of me. And so I think <clears throat> anything that I pursue is, as long as it is coming from me and I'm not trying to put anything on me, you know, then then I'm willing to follow it wherever it takes me. Um, and I think that's how I kind of got back into puppeteering, how I got into writing as well as directing with my acting and things like that, how I got into podcasting, you know, is, it, it, It's only been if I start to see myself come out and respond to whatever is in front of me instead of me taking something and going, I think this will fit. And it's really just a square going into a circle hole. Yeah, totally. I think
0: that's that's so huge. And I'm curious. So I have and uh, as entrepreneurs, uh, our listeners, like we all have a lot of different things going on. Usually we have at least a couple and, you know, I'm a partner in a couple of different businesses, but they're all aligned with the same mission of like, I want uh-huh. to help entrepreneurs basically launch and grow their platforms based on their passion and expertise so they can increase their impact in the world. Right. Yeah. And so I'm a co-founder in a tech company, but that tech company is video software that helps index and, and get your videos found and all this kind of stuff. And then I'm, you know, run a marketing agency where we do this service for people where we're helping you get your message out to the world. And then I'm also, you know, a, a partner and host with the PodMax crew where we're mm-hmm. helping entrepreneurs tell their stories. So they're all, all these different. Uh, yeah, I have like five different partnerships going on, but they're all kind of aligned in the same thing. So when I look right. at the stuff that you're doing and you seem, as you just said, like it does seem like a natural thing that you're doing and you recognize when to stop trying to jam that square peg into the round hole. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, but like you're a performer on Broadway and then you're also doing a Muppets podcast. It's like,
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the connection simply comes from, from what what it, what am I giving to people, and what are people able to take away from it? You know, and for me, it's joy. I think that there's uh, and and purity. That's kind of what I really need from it. Not necessarily that that Hamilton is necessarily pure. Hamilton, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, is is an amalgamation of so many different things. Muppets are pure. You know, there's there is a guttural feeling to whenever you see the Muppets. Like whenever somebody mentions Big Bird, it's like oh Big Bird. <laughs> like you know, you immediately go back to that childlike wonder and that child sense. It's a, it's a very vital reaction that you have. And it's something that I don't think a lot of people kind of tune into. um, But but analytically, I've been tuned into that for as long as I can remember. Like, you know, I feel like from a very young age, I was very aware of like, that puppet makes me feel this. (laughs) And, (laughs) And so, you know, I think for me, it all comes down to all of these different things connect to that overall vital feeling of, wow, I feel not just good, but I feel good because I'm aware of myself right now. I feel like I'm living. I feel like I'm truly existing right now. And I think sometimes we don't expect it in certain places like, you know, I'm also a huge Disney World nerd and Disney World freak. And, and Disney World is one of those places where I truly feel like I am with myself. And, and it's, a, it's, it's where I feel at peace a lot of the time. You know what I mean? And, and I think it could be funny for people to hear that, which I totally understand. But But it's one of those things where I feel at peace when I feel alive. And, and things like watching the Muppets and, and tuned into all of these different kind of uh, strange IPs, uh, <laughs> it's, it's just what, it's what connects me. And so everything I do, and I know Hamilton is like that for so many people. And so yeah. you know, it's why I think it all connects together because it's all about what are people's access to making them feel alive and making them feel that really strong sense of joy.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, we just got the notification here. It's time for us to wrap up, but this was an yeah, amazing yeah. conversation, Fergie. Thank you so much. I I really enjoyed uh, all the stuff that we talked about and and the the rabbit holes that we went in. So, all uh, right, people are digging digging this conversation. They're Muppet they're Muppet geeks too. Um, where where can they find you uh, online and connect with you to keep up
2: with what's going on in your world? Oh my gosh, catch me on Twitter and on Instagram at Fergsters95. That is F. E-R-G-S-T-E-R-S-9-5. That is where you'll find all information on the podcast. It's time to meet the Muppets. Um, Everything about Hamilton, everything about my puppetry, about my writing, my directing, everything you need to know about me and what I'm involved with, you will find it on those two links. Awesome, man.
0: Thank you so much. And everybody, thank you for listening. We will catch you on the next episode.
1: That's it for now, folks. If you'd like to stay in touch with the show, you can contact me directly at eric at onairbrands.com. That's eric, E-R-I-K, at onairbrands.com. And if you aren't already subscribed to the show, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or any other podcast podcast